Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm a consultant with Troubling the Waters. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Director of Formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I am Susan Brownsnook, and I'm the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And thank you, Bishop Susan, for uh, joining us on the pod today. It is a joy and a pleasure to yeah. be with you. For a fun Advent for slash Christmas Eve episode, uh-huh. once every six years or whatever, that yeah, happens. Pretty yeah. exciting. We'll be talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, December 24th, which is Advent for in the morning, Christmas Eve in the, the evening. evening. But we're going to be talking about the Advent for gospel reading from mm-hmm. the beginning of Luke. Before we get into that, we always love to hear from our guests about their ministry context, where God is moving in in your ministry and in your life. So would you share with us about your ministry context as the bishop of this fine diocese? That means, among other things, I get to be in a different church every Sunday Mm -hmm. and see what's going on in that church and see all the different kinds of worship and members of our churches and things we have going on in the different churches. So last two Sundays, I've been at two different St. Andrews uh, (laughs) out of the four St. Andrews we have in the diocese. Both of them very interesting, lively, vibrant churches, lots of confirmations, people with interesting things to offer. So that's been lovely. Mm -hmm. Also had a day of discernment on Mm -hmm. Saturday where people interested in finding out whether they might be called to ordination come together and We work on discerning that together. That is always very inspiring to see people willing to offer huge changes in their lives for the sake of Jesus. Yesterday I was at St. Andrew's Encinitas Mm -hmm. and got to hear the Reverend Dawn Starry talk about her experience going down to the border and celebrating the Eucharist down there, um, really just across the fence Mm -hmm. and handing uh, communion to people who had come from thousands of miles away and were stuck there at the fence, hoping and longing to get across the border, a very Advent kind of setting, all that hope and that longing and expectation. And what it was like for her to hand communion to people in that situation and see tears running down their faces at learning that God truly loves them. Mm -hmm. That was a wonderful thing to hear about. In many ways, the most fortunate person in the diocese because I get to get a a view into all the different ways the gospel is being lived out Mm -hmm. here in our diocese. And then would you have a a God sighting that you would like to share with us, maybe from the last week or two, a place where you saw or felt God's movement in your life? Yeah, I want to tell you about something remarkable. So yesterday at St. Andrew's Encinitas, I confirmed six young people. And they had, as part of their confirmation class, written the prayers of the people, Mm -hmm. which I have brought here and handed out. And I'm not going to read them to you because um, it's the longest prayers of the people I've ever... (laughs) (laughs) Actually, um, there were 28 petitions. Uh But they did a beautiful job of writing these prayers. And so I was imagining them in their confirmation class sitting together and thinking about what is in our hearts that we need to pray for? And, and coming out with this beautiful set of things and more and more ideas for things to pray for. So here are some examples. We ask your prayers that leaders listen to those they represent in the people's responses. So voices are heard through peaceful protests and open discussions. Here's another one. We ask your prayers that people respond when someone asks for help response, just as we would want others to do for us. 
We ask your prayers that we always provide a safe place of escape for youth and others in need. Response, so they too can know peace. We ask your prayers that we always remember that despite our differences, everyone is deserving of love and respect and open hearts. Response, so people know God's love is inclusive. Mm-hmm. And it's all it's just all so beautiful. I don't think we even have time for me to read all the ones that I, I thought were really amazing. Mm-hmm. I'll just read this one. We ask your prayers for an end to global conflict. We especially pray for President Mahmoud Abbas and the Palestinian people, for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli people, for President Vladimir Putin and the Russian people, and for President Volodymyr Zelensky and the Ukrainian people. Response, may they all have wisdom and compassion for all involved in the conflict. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really amazing. These kids thought so deeply and brought these things into the presence of God and offered them for the whole congregation. Mm -hmm. That was a real God sighting for me. Beautiful. And I love the church bearing witness to the wisdom of those young people Mm -hmm. and engaging and supporting them in in prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We would also love to hear from all of you if you'd like to share a God sighting or if you'd like to share a question or comment or story from a week of faith discussion and reflection, you can email us, faithtogo at edsc.org. You can follow us, direct message us, comment on Instagram at faithtogo, and find all those ways of getting in contact with us listed in the description for this episode. And now we're going to move on to our discussion about the gospel, again, for this upcoming Sunday, December 24th, Advent 4 in year B. It is from Luke... Chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Finally, something about Jesus and baby (laughs) Jesus. You know, we're getting close. We're getting close, everyone. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I'll have some context, and we'll each have a point. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Thank you, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So here we are in Luke's gospel, the Annunciation, where the angel comes to Mary. Just before this, the angel has come to Elizabeth and Zechariah, Mary's cousin, and the birth of Jesus will be at the very beginning of chapter 2. So there's a lot more surrounding the story here than than Matthew's gospel. Matthew has the Magi. Luke has the shepherds. We have also this story of Elizabeth and Zechariah and Luke that we don't have in Matthew. So Luke's got just a cool 
it's just like a different, such a different vibe than than Matthew's uh, infancy narrative. So, so we get this Magnificat from Mary in Luke, and the birth of John the Baptist in Luke, and and Elizabeth and Zechariah in Luke. So, just a lot more of this kind of familial stuff happening, which is cool. These intimate moments between people, which is also really interesting. So, that's where we are. The beginning of Luke's Annunciation narrative, and Bishop Susan, you've got the first point. So, this is a story about pregnancy and motherhood. These are experiences that Charlotte and I have had. When I think about Mary entering this experience of pregnancy and motherhood, of course, I think back to my own experiences and remembering the day that Sarah, my oldest daughter, was born. Giving birth to a child is an experience full of pain. But then I could not believe the joy that struck me, that it was beyond anything else I had ever felt. And I didn't, I had never really imagine that I could feel such joy at meeting this incredible child who was who was mine and who God had given to me. And I felt the same, of course, when Julia was born several years later. It brings to me that giving life, bringing life into the world is a mixture of terrible pain and incredible joy. And I thought with Mary, I thought about, you know, a couple chapters later, she brings the child Jesus to the temple to be presented, and Simeon the prophet says to her, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And that, you know, motherhood always, parenthood, is, is always, um, somebody said, it's, it's a choice for the rest of your life to let your heart go walking around outside your body. Mm-hmm. And that Mary had, you know, some terrible, painful horrible experiences ahead of her, experiences of grief and sorrow and watching her son suffer. But through all of that, entering into suffering and pain, new life, a new life of love was given birth in the world. And that it is through that that we humans bring life into the world, but God also had to do the same thing. God also gave birth to new life in the world, resurrection life in the world, through the experience of entering into the ordinary pain and suffering of the world. Mm -hmm. And that our ministry as Christians involves us being willing to experience both the incredible joy of knowing resurrection and the love of God, but entering into that joy through the experience of entering into the world's pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, this is a different year for me for whatever reason, that when I read about this wonderful story of Annunciation, what came to me was that the road to joy goes through pain mm-hmm. and entering into it with alongside other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of um, Jesus's farewell discourse in John's Gospel, where he's talking about with the disciples, his own death and resurrection and likens it to childbirth and says, exactly. yeah, just like a mother bears pain to bring new life into the world. This is what you're going to experience too in the coming days, you know, and like that there is no, there's no new life without death. There's no, you know, joy without sorrow that your joy, that your sorrow will turn to joy. He says to them, you know? Yeah. As a matter of fact, that passage that you're talking about in the gospel of John has been very important to my life of faith Mm -hmm. because I did one of those as a lay person long, long time ago, a young adult just finally dipping my toe back into the church. Mm -hmm. I did one of those Monday, Thursday vigils, and I was alone Mm -hmm. in the chapel 
and reading the Gospel of John, and I came upon that passage, and I'd been sitting there thinking, how does any of this make sense? Mm-hmm. This cross and this death, and it's horrible. And I read that passage, and suddenly it all clicked mm-hmm. into, into place mm-hmm. that the way to joy is through pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Try that to... takes us to my point, which also has to do with maybe some words that feel opposite to each other. Mm-hmm. And so as I was thinking about what stood out for me in the gospel this week, mine came towards the beginning, and it was when the angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And I was thinking about fear in general, and certainly seeing an angel might be a little bit scary, but also the world in which we live in can often feel scary and hard and challenging and filled with pain. And in that, this call to not be afraid is what I was sitting with because I was like, well, well, then what are you if you're not afraid? And Mary very often is treated as a courageous human being, and she was. For sure she was. And courage is something that we talk about a lot in our diocese when that has been your call to all of us to live into courageous love, which means doing it even when we are afraid right? So do not be afraid then doesn't actually mean be courageous because being courageous is doing it even though you are afraid. And so then what would that be? Is that being at peace? Is it being calm? And as I was wrestling with that thought and thinking about like, well, then what is it that we are if we are not afraid? I came to the fact that for me, I think that that means that we trust, And that the calm that comes from that, the peace or the ability to be courageous, it is born in, it is rooted in trust, trusting in God and trusting in what it is that we are called to be part of, trusting in that love that that is a part of everything that God does in this world. And so then this morning, um, I was doing my Advent devotional, and this year I am doing Keep Watch With Me, which is an Advent reader for peacemakers. And the reflection for today was written by Nantombi Naomi Tutu. And I'm not going to read her full reflection, but certainly I commend to anyone that would have interest in reading it. But there was this line within it that really resonated with my point today, which is oppression and fear have never been God's dream for the people of God. No matter how trying and bleak life may appear, our God promises that she is ready to welcome us into her circle of love. And I was thinking about that trust and that love and that God's dreams for us, the the dreams that are where all of this begins, all of it is rooted in love. And so in those places where it feels scary and hard and that the oppression and fear of the world feel overwhelming, that we are always invited to root back down into that place, into that trust in God, and to name the fact that we can clothe ourselves, we can wrap ourselves in that love, and that that gives us that opportunity to take that deep breath in, as Mary did, perhaps, and then say, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. For my point, I was thinking about the similar part, thinking about the fear, thinking about Mary and her interaction with this angel, Gabriel. I was struck by this interaction that they have at the very beginning, where the angel arrives, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. It doesn't say Mary is afraid or that she freaks out or that she like screams. It says that Mary was perplexed and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And then the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary for you have found favor with God. And I'm just imagining Mary being like, well, I'm not 
I'm not afraid. And that maybe Gabriel is like expecting Mary to be afraid, like every other person that an angel has ever appeared to. Because angels were terrifying based <laughs> on the description from the Hebrew scriptures <laughs> with all their crazy eyes and wings and things like that. I'm just struck by the fact that Mary does not react in the way that, that Gabriel maybe was expecting her to react. And so that this, the response, do not be afraid, was kind of out of place maybe for Mary. Because really, Mary, her response to, to this crazy thing happening in front of her is uh, wonder and and pondering in her heart what is happening, which is a very Marian thing to do, especially in Luke, because later, in, when Jesus is older, you know, at the presentation in the temple and all these things are happening, or maybe it was the time that Jesus, like, stays back at the temple and they all go back home and they don't know where Jesus is, and it's like Mary is always responding with wonder to all these things. That Mary is a person that ponders things in her heart. And that's what Luke says about, about her a couple times, that she is a ponderer. That seems to be Mary's superpower, is her capacity to respond with wonder to these otherworldly, like crazy things happening in her life. I'm struck by just her capacity to do that, especially at such a young age, because she's obviously a very young person. She's like a teenager, and she has this incredible ability, you know, to not freak out, <laughs> you know, to be like so grounded and centered and, and clear about who she is and who God is for her, that like when an angel appears in her midst, she's just kind of like, okay, let me think about this. Okay. Okay, go on, angel, <laughs> you know? And so, like, I love that she has cultivated this capacity within herself. And maybe it's something that is, like, she's naturally inclined to. I was thinking about, like, well, what is it that she did in her life to become favored by God in some way? And she must have had some experience or had some sort of spiritual practice to cultivate this ability to for wonder. And that that must be, or maybe that is the reason that she has favor in God's eyes, you know, that, that God chose her because God knew she would be able to hear what the angel had to say, whereas other people would have, you know, maybe freaked out. You know, that like that God is choosing her to be kind of like the foundational piece of this story because of her capacity for wonder, because she has this softness about her, this like spaciousness about her, where when something happens, she doesn't react. She doesn't freak out. She just kind of holds it so gently. And so I'm thinking about then later in Gabriel's kind of explanation to her about what's going to happen, that her child will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end thinking about what we know about Jesus, that like this kingdom is a very different kingdom than the kingdoms that have come before Jesus. And this kingdom like requires that capacity for wondering, the capacity for like spaciousness and softness and holding possibility and, and not reacting, you know. I think Jesus got that from Mary because he was so good at that as well. Mm -hmm. He was so able to be with people without judging them and just holding them and holding their story, and holding the complexity of them, and holding his own complexity as well, and the complexity of the world, and still wanting something different for the world, you know, that there is no path to the kingdom of heaven without that capacity for wonder. And so Mary's, I think, invitation to us in the Advent and the Christmas season is like, what are you doing to cultivate that thing, that capacity in yourself? Because 
there are all these spiritual practices, and I think when we engage in them regularly, they grow in us that ability to hold that space, you know, in the face of frustrating things or scary things or things that otherwise we might like react really intensely to, we slowly grow that capacity for the kind of gentle, spacious holding that we have to have in order to take part in the kingdom of heaven. And we're never going to be able to get there when all we're doing is like being reactionary. That's, I think, the question for all of us is like, what are we doing? What are we intentionally doing to cultivate that in ourselves and create that kind of spaciousness in the world around us? And just thinking about like all the people in decision-making positions and mm. the positions of power in the world, if everyone had this capacity for wonder, that things would be just so different. You know, it would be a different kind of kingdom. All the kingdoms of the world would be a little different if the people in power had that capacity like Mary did to respond mm. that way. So, Well, and that's certainly something we've talked about on the podcast a good amount, that that wonder, that curiosity, that mm-hmm. openness, mm-hmm. it is the exact opposite of judgment. Mm-hmm. That as soon as we rush into a place of judgment, that we have closed the door mm. on being, of wondering of mm-hmm. what is happening there or being curious about it. Mm-hmm. And what a lovely... Advent practice, Christmas practice, and it might take us a lot to get through all of it, right? To really think about like, how are we fostering that wonder and curiosity in our own lives? Mm -hmm. There were times when Jesus was judgmental, Mm -hmm. right? He was very judgmental with people who had decided to approach the relationship with him in a judgmental way. Mm -hmm. He was challenging as well as open. I think that what that tells us is that as we approach other people, we need to approach them with the kind of curiosity and wonder that we're talking about, that you are talking about, David, because they they have something to offer us. Mm-hmm. Every person has something to teach us about who God is calling us to be. If we believe that we have all truth, then we are not going to be open to that. So right. I was talking about that yesterday at the church I was visiting. You know, one of the things that happens when we do evangelism and we share our good news with others is actually they're sharing their good news as well. They're sharing their stories. And we learn more about our story by listening to theirs so that every person we meet with an attitude of wonder and curiosity gives us an opportunity to learn more about what God is calling us to become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, those are our three Advent 4 slash Christmas Eve points the gospel this week. Number one was Bishop Susan's about the, the kind of pain and joy of doing ministry in the world of the kingdom of heaven, bringing about the kingdom of heaven. And the kind of like, the pain has a purpose, just like in, in pregnancy and motherhood. Charlotte's was second, and it was about trusting and what it's, what it's like to trust in the face of you know, scary things, fearful things. And mine uh, was also about fear and responding with wonder in our lives and in the, the practices that help us grow in that capacity for wonder. So we would love to know what your point would have been if you'd been on the podcast with us today. You can, again, get in contact with us in all those ways listed in the description for this episode. We'd also love to hear about your God sightings, maybe about your ministry context, or any of your questions, comments, or stories from a week of faith discussion and reflection. We hope you have a great final week of Advent, a very holy and restful week leading up to Christmas. Thank you, Bishop Susan, for being here. It is always a joy to be with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
And by the way, lots of people are looking for churches for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So I encourage you, if you don't have a church to go to, take a look at our website, EDSD, that stands for Episcopal Diocese of San Diego.org. And if you scroll down on the homepage, there's a Find a Church link there. You can find one close to you. If you are not in our diocese, please go on Google and find a church so that you can go and experience the fullness and the wonder and the joy of Christmas. We will be back next week to talk about the gospel for the first Sunday after Christmas. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye. everybody. Been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you.